Welcome to the Coldcast, the northernmost podcast in the world. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast series where we, throughout eight episodes, will give you an insight to the exciting research that goes on at the University Centre in Svalbard, or UNIS as we like to call it. You will meet professors and students who are passionate about their cold climate research and learn more about the Arctic, both as a field of study, but also as a place people call home. My name is Maria Filippa Rossi and I am your host today. In a previous episode, we talked to Pernille Brunken Eidesen about FieldPass, a project testing and developing alternative assessment methods for practical skills and generic competences. And today we welcome Maria Jensen and Steve Colson to the podcast studio. Maria is a department leader in the Arctic Geology Department and Steve is a department leader in the Arctic Biology Department. And they are involved with two centres of excellence in education where UNIS is a partner. So first of all, welcome. And maybe you could explain what is the Centre of Excellence in Education? Um, it's really a, a project where we're looking to see how we can improve our teaching, but also develop new techniques and new ways to uh, teach students and to improve their learning and really move away from the old-fashioned concept of uh, one-way delivery in lectures and uh, lecture theatres. So what we're trying to do in the uh, Bioseed project, and I'm sure it's the same in iEarth as well, is to see how we can make our uh, teaching better. But also, like I say, perhaps move away from the how do we teach, but what should a biological education consist of? And so this is what we're trying to do in the Centre of Excellence. Who decides what is good teaching? How do you work on uh, developing that? Yeah, well, I think one of the main uh, outcomes of the BioC project, uh, certainly at UNIS, has been this uh, collegial approach to teaching. So when I first started at UNIS way back in about 2006, teachers were given a course to develop and to teach, and it was really their responsibility. They decided how to teach it, what fieldwork would be done, uh, and led the whole uh, course. What we're trying to get away from now is to sort of develop teaching teams, or if not exactly a team, but get staff to talk to each other and discuss what works well and what doesn't work so well. But then to go beyond that, we actually use the students as sort of test rabbits to get their feedback on, on how they feel they're doing it and how the new systems uh, maybe motivate or engage the students in their 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 work. And to this end, we have lots of student-led projects as well, where we try to get the students to actually take some responsibility, but also try and develop their enthusiasm for what it is they're actually studying. You you mentioned Bioseed and IEARTH. That's the names of the two centres in at UNIS. Maria, do you care to elaborate what IEARTH is and what do they? What's their focus? IEARTH is the Centre for Integrated Earth Science Education, and like Steve said, part of the mission is not only how we teach, but also what we teach. So it's shaping also the future of geoscience, earth science programs in Norway. We have four of the Norwegian universities, including UNIS, involved in this. So it's also the University of Oslo, it's the University of Bergen, and it's the University of Tromsø. And the whole project and idea has been developed as collaboration between these four institutes. And the idea was that geoscience is... It's a very changing environment for the geosciences because we used to educate a lot of petroleum geologists, especially in Norway. And the modern job market for geologists is very different than it was for 10, 15 years ago. And so the underlying idea was to use new teaching methods and to change our whole curriculum in a more modern sense towards educating modern geoscientists that a modern society needs. 
And the whole idea of the centers of excellence more broadly than what these two centers of excellence are is to actually fund initiatives, high quality initiatives for teaching and learning at universities more broadly. So these two that we have here at UNIS are just two of these kinds of programs. So this is competitive funding and it's very big programs. They funded in five plus potentially five more years. So it's long-term programs and they are equivalent to the centers of excellence in research that exist in Norwegian funding programs. So it's big initiatives that people work on for a long time to to actually have to come to the institutions and they win the funding through competitive bidding. What has it meant for UNIS to to be a part of these collaborations? I think it has fundamentally changed the way we think about teaching. And since Bioseed was first here, I think Bioseed has actually implemented a lot of the structures that we also use from day to day at UNIS now, also structures that are implemented in the study administration. For example, how it's quantify uh, the time students spend on their studies, the time teachers spend on teaching and learning, assessing the quality of, of their learning, not just how much they like the teacher, the way we have students give feedback and the way we have a collegial culture, as Steve was saying. For example, we have the annual learning forum. That was something that was initially developed in collaboration with Bioseed. Do the centers of excellence in education aid the dissemination of research and science to the public or to the local society? Is there a cooperation there? To some degree. It's it's not the main aim to the local society in a traditional outreach sense. But for example, IOTH has a package part of IOTH that is about um, the employers that our students will eventually meet and developing collaboration with them. So under that, we have, for example, alumni programs. So we have Arctic Unis Arctic Geology alumni organization now that also aims at talking to the employers where our students will end up and hear more about also former uni students, what they have actually learned at unis in addition to their scientific content, but what kind of life skills they come away with that have helped them in the job market. So more of an industry contact than a society contact. Mm. And Bioseed has a few sub-programs, Unis, Sprout, Bio Breakfast. What are they? The Bioseed program has a whole series of different projects. And some of them are located in uh, Bergen, at University of Bergen. And others are sort of between both Unis and, and Bergen. And here at Unis, we have uh, several which are sort of specialized for our, our students. And we have things like the uh, Unis Breakfast. This started off as uh, the uh, Bio Breakfast And it's really a a gathering point for students a couple of times each semester where they get the opportunity to deliver what what sort of research they're doing. So it can be PhD students or masters talking to bachelor students. It's a a sort of forum for them to explain why they find biology exciting and what they want to do in the future. And it it works uh, very well. It's now being rebranded as uh, UNIS Breakfast because it's basically open to uh, all students at UNIS, not just biology students. And it's now a project which is run jointly together with iEarth. So that's why it's now become uh, UNIS Breakfast. But there are other little projects as well, which uh, try to get students involved in what we actually do. So, for example, there's one called UNIS Sprout. And this is a way for students to sign up for up to 40 hours research time with a, a, 
a proper research project. So here we're getting bachelor students who very often have no contact with real science and real researchers. Um, and it gives them the opportunity to actually get involved in something where the outcomes are perhaps not really known. We have predictions and we know what we sort of, we might get, but it's not the same as a, a student project where most students really can work out what the result of their project is going to be before they start. This is genuine science and it shows them the, the problems of real science, the, the pitfalls, but also gives them that excitement of, of learning something that is completely new. Uh, and again, this is something which started off in uh, Bergener's BioSpire. Uh, but again, because it's at UNIS and we are talking about students who are beyond just biologists, it's now been uh, renamed as, as UNIS Sprout. And then lots of other, other little projects like Scope Conference, which students uh, lead themselves and uh, that run, runs once a year. So there's a lot of activities which we try to get the students actually to do themselves. What's the feedback from the students? We generally get very good feedback. Uh, I think they find it very exciting to be in contact with people who are actually doing something new. And getting them out into the field and, and seeing what it is we do is a very important part of the education because anybody can sit in a lecture theatre anywhere in the world and learn about the Arctic. It's very important that we actually get the students out into the, uh, the Arctic nature. Show them what it's like to be a, a genuine scientist and not just try and glorify it, uh, but actually sort of uh, show them how hard it is, but also how rewarding it can be. And there Eunice is in a special position having fieldwork basically outside our doorstep. Yeah, basically we don't teach any courses which could be taught at other universities. We only have uh, courses which are based on the Arctic. The funding and the project length, what, is there a start and a finish or is it something that can continue on? What will you do when, uh, when it finishes? Uh, if we're talking about uh, Bioseed now, because we're the one that's been running the longest, we're now at, towards the end of our second term. So at the end of this year, Bioseed will have been running for 10 years. Unfortunately, um, the funding source will only cover two periods of five years. So this means that the Bioseed project funding finishes this year. However, Bergen have committed to continue funding uh, quite a lot of activities. And again, here at Unis, we are working to find ways to actually maintain the initiatives that we've started. And at the moment, we're working on a, a continuation plan of how we can do this. And I think from most of the projects certainly the student-led projects, the actual financial investment is not that great. It's more to, to get the staff involved and to ensure that it's continuity because one of the challenges we have at UNIS is that generally our student cohort is new every semester. So we don't get the same continuation that you get at a, a mainland university where students are basically there for three to four years. Mm. Uh, so that's our, our biggest challenge, actually, for the, the continuation. And, uh, and I guess you can use the experiences from the past 10 years and take bring on into the future regardless. Absolutely. I mean, w what we're trying to do now is to we, we've developed a whole range of tools. Uh, so we have these things that we've spoken about now in breakfast, but we also have the virtual field guides. Uh, we have the, the sort of field certification um, systems that we've developed from FieldPass. They're all in, in place, or at least they're, they're coming online now. Uh, so for us, it's more a case of trying to maintain the momentum. But since we have uh, a, a, an active collegial environment, as we say now, I don't think this is going to be a, a big problem. And certainly there's a commitment from UNIS leadership to uh, assist with this. Mm. When did the IOTH start and how, how long is it running for? Uh, I started in 2020, in June 2020, so we are almost running for three years now. 
So we're coming up for renewal for the next five year period that that work is starting, but it's a it's an application process. So so we'll see, but we hope that we get to continue, of course. And we have, of course, also yeah, we have inherited some of these activities through Bioseed and started collaboration with Bioseed, and then and then this being two centers of excellence in the same institution has, of course, also been really valuable because, as we said in the beginning, the the centers had slightly different approaches or slightly different thoughts of what they wanted to achieve, but together. This has consolidated into some activities that we have here at UNIS. And we have a lot, what they really have in common is that they have a lot of student-led activities and that students are much more active in shaping their own education, not only through feedback, but also through, for example, the SCOPE conference. And we have a teaching assistant program where we try to educate teaching assistants for being better teaching assistants, which is and teaching assistants are also often students or PhD students. So we're also trying to let these skills not just land with the permanent faculty, but also seep through the entire organization and have students as equivalent as partners where, where we work with them to develop their education. Mm. And as you mentioned, Steve, that there's a not necessarily high turnover, but there's a lot of new students every semester. So by teaching a new class every semester, you basically help the uh, mainland universities as well. Yes, yes, of course. And and abroad. So so the idea of at least IOS, probably also Bioseed, but of IOS is to be almost nationwide. So it cover a large part of geoscience education in Norway. So that means that some of these students have been exposed to then the more field-based part here so we have different responsibilities in the in the project or program and UNIS has the responsibility of of field based education which is natural from how we teach but it doesn't only we do not only work with field based education at UNIS but also to the mainland and of course some of the experience that we develop primarily here with the people who work here or the students who are here will then also be used at the mainland. For example, we have worked a lot with virtual, what we call virtual outcrops and virtual field guides. Steve also mentioned it, but in geology and in geoscience in general, you have to go out and look at the landscape and that can be expensive or it can be difficult to do in all seasons or for practical reasons. For some students, it's a problem in terms of accessibility. So bringing these sites virtually into the classroom is also a way of teaching field science in a more accessible way or supplementing the work we do in the field. So we're, for example, also studying how these tools uh, play together with what we do in the field if we actually go in the field, so how they can prepare better to meet the field sites, for example, and learn more during the hours that we decide to invest in having students out in the field. Where does the idea of uh, educational quality come from? It's been a tendency in in international academia for at least 30 years that teaching is not just one-way delivery of lectures, but that that's actually not how people learn well. And of course, the field of education and, and teaching and learning is uh, more broadly, not just in higher education, has of course been a field of study for hundreds of years. but in higher education, it's a slightly newer thing that that these principles that work in general for how people learn that they actually also apply to young adults taking university education. 
And I think here in Norway, it has really been boosted by these Centers of Excellence programs that have brought it into the institutions and also brought ownership of it into the institutions. Of course, also general requirements of taking pedagogical qualifications by teachers. So in IOS, for example, we're part of also an international community. So we also have adjunct professors, professors that are associated with IOS and that are our academic collegium that comes more from the pedagogic and didactic side of things and usually work at other institutions, but in departments where that is their primary qualification. And we also have PhD students. We have one PhD student here at UNIS, for example, who is doing a geoscience didactics type of project where he's studying virtual learning tools for geology. Yeah, and I think it's very much the same with uh, Bioseed as well. Bioseed has several focus areas, and one is, in fact, teaching culture and uh, social activities, these uh, scholarship of teaching and learning. Uh, And what we try to do is, from a very sort of scientific basis, assess how our learning uh, delivery, our teaching uh, is received by the students, and does it actually improve uh, their learning outcomes and their experiences being at UNIS? Uh, and to this end, we have uh, developed teaching courses for our staff to to take, uh, both academic, uh, both faculty staff, but also these uh, teaching assistant courses, which are primarily aimed at PhD students. But we also actually use the students as sort of test rabbits and see how our teaching can be better. Uh, and to this end, we are quite active in these subtle activities. And I think Barseed now has over 30 uh, papers in scientific journals. So the staff are testing, they're developing, uh, and they implement immediately. And this is one of the great advantages of these uh, Centres for Excellence in Teaching, is that the staff that are actually doing the research are those staff who will be implementing that, that research. So the turnaround time is very fast. Yeah, we also have publications coming out of I was a little younger, so we haven't published quite as much. But just last year, we had four publications from IOS coming out. And this year, we've also already had one. Fantastic. How is the training or the development for the teaching staff? We have an annual learning forum here at UNIS that started with Bioseed some several years ago. And through IOS, we also have monthly or sometimes more frequently digital learning forums where we meet online and that was of course a natural platform to develop when we started since we started in June 2020 but that has caught on and we have kept it so so that's these are information sometimes it's outside experts sometimes it's some of ourselves sharing what we learn through IOS activities and often also with a discussion part in the end so these are very effective communication forms and then we of course also participate in in conferences and present our work. But a lot of the IOS funding is directed to small projects that teachers or students can apply for to to start projects in their own classrooms or in the field or to to do small activities to test. For example, it could be an assessment method, it could be a new activity, it could be creating virtual guide of something, or it could be to to test how something that's already implemented, how, how well it actually functions. So what, what do we get for the quality development that we do? But it's all very hands-on. It's, it's very hands-on. And it's, many of the projects are also applied for by students. Fantastic. Thank you so much for participating. And this is the last episode of the first season of The Callcast. 
technician Simon Solomon Sniela and uh, I would like to extend our gratitude to the Norwegian Research Council for financial support of this podcast and uh, we would also like to thank students and colleagues at UNIS for participating and you as a listener for tuning in wanting to learn more about science in the Arctic. If you haven't been through the other episodes make sure you have a listen and stay tuned for bonus episodes and extra material published on this channel. Thank you very much. Thank you.